Hi, I'm Justine. And I'm Sarah Levon. And we are so glad you're here. We believe that your life has the potential to make a deep, meaningful impact on the world around you. You, as a nurse, have the ability to add value to every single person and patient you touch. We want to inspire you with resources, education, and stories to support you to live your absolute best life, both in and outside of work. But don't expect perfection over here. We're just here to have some conversations about anything birth, work, and life trying to add some happy to your hour as we all grow together. By nurses, for nurses, this is Happy Hour with Bundle Birth Nurses. I don't actually know this story, Justine. I'm actually, I feel it's weird to say that I'm excited to hear this story because mm-hmm. it sounds really intense, where you actually had to call out a provider for doing an unconsented episiotomy. So tell us what happened, and we're going to have a discussion about what this means for us. Yeah, I'm excited to share it. If you don't know, I'm a per diem nurse at a community hospital here in Southern California. And I had a really uncomfortable situation this weekend. And so I was training a new nurse, actually, a new grad nurse. And I know she had gotten experience on the in daytime. So she was like just coming to us for a few weeks, a few more shifts on nights. And so in that case, like I'm more like stand fly on the wall, like let her do her thing. She needs to learn the ropes or whatever. So I'm sweet. It's seven. It's about 1915. We go into our patient's room. She's pushing with her nurse. She, we get report at bedside. The nurse leaves. We continue to push. We probably push for about 15 minutes until we decide to call the provider. The provider's there about 1945. And this is all like at the beginning of the shift, right? It's just like starting out with a bang and he's pushing. They probably push for like four or five minutes together. And on the monitor, there are variables, significant variables with each contraction, I will say good, good, moderate variability in between, but the variables are what led this patient to be admitted. It has been a thing. The variables have been known. It wasn't just some new thing that the variables are happening. So the provider, I saw the provider's name was on the whiteboard behind us under provider. So I assume this was their patient. They grab the scissors and I'm thinking in my head, like we have all these scripts, you know, of like, are you going to perform an episiotomy? Like what? I could say something here and I decide not to say anything. And I, I, I'll get more on that later, but I'm thinking like, this is their patient. Maybe they talked about it before. I just met this patient like 15, 20 minutes ago. I don't know what's happening. I know that they've had some contact throughout the day during an ARAM. Like I know that they were admitted for this variable, these variables, et cetera. So I'm waiting for the, like, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to give you an episiotomy. And then there's just a snip. There's just no word said while they're pushing just an episiotomy. And I'm standing literally behind the provider watching, not on the side of the patient, not like holding a leg while pushing because I'm being more fly on the wall. And so I don't know if that's more because that's how it's like becoming way more apparent what's happening and I'm not missing it. Right. So then again, snips another one, does a second degree medial episiotomy, no extension. There's no word that happens. Like there's nothing that's like, you got an episiotomy. There's nothing done. During charting a few minutes later, he said, all he said was second degree medial, nothing else. And so when the new grad was charting it, I said, she's like, what do I, where do I put that? And I was like, you put it a second degree episiotomy, like no extension on the chart. Like, and you're clicking episiotomy. And I said episiotomy multiple times out loud. So the patient could hear that she got an episiotomy. How are you feeling at this point? I'm like, 
frustrated. I'm like, I have a knot in my stomach and I'm just so confused. But again, this is his patient. And I'm like, maybe they've talked about it. Like, it's like so nonchalant. It's the most nonchalant thing that I've ever witnessed of like, we did mm. this. So then we asked the provider for the pediatrician. Like, who would you like to choose as a pediatrician? He's like, oh, well, who does her doctor choose usually? And that, at that point I was like, whoa, like, so this provider was on call for another one. And I was just like, dang, like, mm. this is not his patient. He doesn't know this patient. He's just delivering for this other provider. And so I, we have the conversation, blah, 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 we wrap it up. I leave my nurse, the nurse in there during the beginning of the recovery. And I go out to the nursing station and I'm like, I have to talk to him. I have to talk to the provider. I have to bring it up. And I just don't want to do it. But I know that if I don't do it, I'll, I'll be really disappointed in myself. Mm-hmm. So he's talking at the station with the other nurses and he looks like he's about to leave. And it, we work in this community hospital. So the providers go home and we call them in for delivery. So he looks mm-hmm. like he's about to leave the unit. And I say, hey, can I speak to you for a minute in the hallway? And he's like, yeah, sure. And I I, I like this provider. I, I do have a relationship with him. So we're walking the hallway and I say, like, I feel really uncomfortable and I just have to talk to you about something. And I I don't want it to seem like I'm being, you know, any certain way, but I am. Um, I'm really uncomfortable that you did that episiotomy without consent. You didn't ask her. You didn't ask her if it was okay. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, and then I said, even though I know it's not, I just, to help diffuse the situation, mm-hmm. I said, is it, is it because it's written in our consent that they sign? Is it written in there? I, you know, I'm not quite sure what's all in that consent. Like the mm-hmm. consent to treat, does it say episiotomy? I'm just trying to help like. Yeah. Give the benefit me. of the doubt. Teach me provider. Yep. Yep. So the initial response was they don't have to consent for episiotomies. And I was like, well, it is an invasive procedure. And and I do know that there was a doctor that was sued in LA because he gave an unconsented episiotomy and the patient won. And I think he was a little surprised by that. And then he said, well, it's actually not better to tear naturally. And, you know, I was helping, you know, have you seen, have you seen a repair, a bad repair on a natural tear? And I was like, well, no, but that's like not my wheelhouse. I don't see them after. So like, I understand that, you know, there's a lot of things I don't see. And he was, and then he said, like, do you think she needed it? And I was like, again, not my wheelhouse, not my call, my call, you know, what I was uncomfortable with is that you did it without Mm -hmm. asking her and you did it without informing her she was going to get one. And ultimately the conversation led to, I I don't even know if I should share his ultimate feelings. I feel like it's a little, you should share it. This is real life. Ultimately, it led to it wasn't his patient, and he doesn't care as much anymore about his job. So, wow, that was disheartening. And I even offered, like, I was like, you know, we have this healing trauma class for providers. Would you Aww. listen to it if you if you had it? Would you listen to it even in your car? And he said, no, he wouldn't. Wow. Um, so. He was okay with me bringing it up, and I felt so much better after bringing it up. But yeah. I think, I think that. It sparked a lot of thought. We teach a lot about this in mentorship, especially in shared decision-making and even in foundations of like having these conversations and what would we do and in, you know, in the act. And I think in the act, it's hard, especially Mm -hmm. if, but there's different ways. Okay. So I did not know this patient's preference on having an episiotomy. I barely Mm -hmm. knew this patient. Like I knew her for like, I barely knew her. Five seconds. Right. I did not realize that that wasn't her provider and that's on me. I should have looked at the chart, but it was just like, it set it on the board. I trust other nurses. I'm like, oh, he, we're calling him in for delivery. So I think that would have gave me a little more insight. I didn't say anything in the delivery. I do know this provider. And I think that's the advantage of being labor nurses. We know these providers. And I don't think saying anything during the delivery would have been helpful. 
Mm. I don't, I think it, they, it could have gone south. And so saying something after, I do think it probably put something in his heart because later in deliveries, there was no more episiotomies later in the night. I kept asking the nurses, I'm like, did they, did he do one? And in those cases, based on those mm. strips, I wouldn't have been surprised if he would have. So okay. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe something softened in his heart a little bit. <laughs> I think approaching it at a, I'm not very confrontational and I'm not very aggressive at all. And so I think approaching it in a way of like, I'm just concerned, right? Using those cuss words. I said that, I said that to a nurse. I was like, you got to use those cuss words. And she was like, I just got to cuss them out. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, you may feel like you want to, but no, like the, I'm concerned, um, help me like understand is understand. Right. Mm-hmm. And then this feels like a safety issue. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was really what I did, right? So I said, like, this made me feel uncomfortable. Like, help me understand why you didn't ask for a consent. It Was it because of this? I, oh, and then I mentioned, I forgot to mention, I told him, I said, I feel like me not saying something to a provider after this happens is what's leading, leaving this moral residue in my heart because mm. I feel like I'm contributing to trauma. And I said, doctor, like, you may have heard, like, one in three birthing people are facing birth trauma. And 60% of those people say it's because of the care they were provided. And in my head, I'm like, I probably doesn't know those numbers, mm-hmm. but I like the way I presented it, right? Like you probably yeah. know, or you may yeah. have heard, like it helps you stay. Like, we know that you're the expert in a lot of things mm-hmm. you do. So just help me learn. And, mm-hmm. but the goal wasn't that he was going to tell me like, I'll never do this again. The goal for me was just one, get it off my chest two know that I advocated afterwards at least. And then three, hopefully help him make a different decision next time. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is how any kind of change happens in everything that we're trying to do. And I know everybody listening is trying to do like we want better. We don't want to we don't want to have to walk home and like think about the unconsented episiotomy that we didn't stand up about or didn't bring back up later for literally potentially our whole career. There are certain things I'm sure I could come up with right now that happened years ago, like 10 years ago that I'm like, oh, I should have done this. We don't want you to live like that, right? And no one should live like that. What I love about this story, Justine, is have you ever done this before? No, not like this this much. Mm -mm. So look at your transformation, Mm -hmm. right? Do you want to speak to that? Yeah. I mean, I'm proud of myself. And I think that it made me realize that if I go home, maybe have making a provider upset or the system, let's say in quotations, upset, but I advocated for a patient, I will go home feeling totally fine because I know that I did the right thing. I think it all comes down to doing the right thing and doing the best that I can versus if I go home with regret that I didn't say something, that's what leads us to feeling like helpless in these situations. We're, We're trained to advocate, right? In theory, in school, we're trained to be nurses advocates, but when it comes down to it, like a lot of times it's hard to based on where we're at. But I, I will reiterate that I didn't do it aggressively. I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, meeting fire with fire is ever the way. No. And I think that I was very like, I didn't cry when I told my husband the story. I was like, okay, so this is what happened. He was like, and then you cried. And I was like, I didn't cry actually. Like, I didn't cry. <laughs> so I, I probably could have, but I just, he, they know, show your heart, like show your heart for your patients. Yep. I think that's too. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to do better as a labor nurse too. And how do I protect my patients? Mm-hmm. Like, please help me understand why this happened so that I can like better protect and take care of our patients in the future. Like, is there anything I can do? Like, do you, 
you know, if I remind you when it's happening, like I know everything can become routine. Maybe you have a provider that does it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I have a couple of people that have messaged me, like, was it this person? Was it this person? I was like, no, it wasn't them. But maybe now I'm thinking I haven't had a, I hadn't had a delivery with that doctor in a really long time, years actually. And so I'm thinking, what if the conversation was like, is there a way I can like prompt you or remind you to, you know, ask, because I know that things just become habitual and you just do it to like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking like, do we consent every single time we start an IV or do we say like, I'm going to start your IV now? Mm-hmm. Well, we should be consenting. Right. But like, you know, so we just becomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Routine. It's a practice change. Totally. Yeah. Well, and what I'm hearing here is, is that you're giving the benefit of the doubt. And that's something we talk yeah. about so regularly here that I think it's easy to be critical. And when we're having these harder conversations where we're saying like, not everything is perfect. And that sort of is like, it's it's our learning opportunity for, or that like, look what happened. This was this went well, or maybe I would have done this different. And the whole entire point is that we can learn vicariously so that when you're faced with that circumstance, you already have the tools in your toolbox to know what to do in that case. And what you're doing is you're giving the benefit of the doubt. And that, to me, it's easy to get disgruntled. It's easy to start making assumptions. Don't write their story. You know, that 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 affirmation or going back to one of our, it's like, I think it was our first episode where it's saying, I'm not going to write their story. I'm actually going to choose to give them the benefit of the doubt. And if I am, how can I approach this in a gracious, Mm -hmm. caring way, expressing how I really feel, standing up for what is right, doing the right thing while working collaborative with, with my team? Exactly. And I'm thinking too, on the flip side. So say a nurse came up to you, they've been like taking these classes and they know like you should consent for a vaginal exam, right? Maybe you haven't taken those classes. And so you do a vaginal exam without consenting and they come up to you like hot, like you are, you're causing birth trauma. You didn't consent. Like, how dare you? Well, how you're would a you? horrible nurse. Yeah. You're horrible you res- at your job. Yeah. You would respond probably hot or just like super mm-hmm. defensive or close down those walls. And so I think that being gracious and giving them the benefit of the doubt in mm-hmm. anyone, anyone you work with, is just a mm-hmm. huge game changer when it comes to working together and being a collaborative team. I think um, too, we talk about in mentorship that we talk about so many things in mentorship. So many things. I think we talk about even like after when a delivery goes really well, like complimenting the provider, like, hey, that was really awesome. Like, what is smooth delivery? Like, mm-hmm. you know, more so that we mm-hmm. need to have to talk to them about the harder things. It's not so out of left field. Yeah. Um, can I make one more subtle comment? I yes. forget the <laughs> I forget the exact comment that you made, but I wasn't trying to make him feel this way, I think was the comment. Okay. Um, And I just want to say publicly that you're not responsible for how people feel or how they, how they receive you. And I think we take that on. Um, I know that I do, and I'm really trying hard to change the script surrounding like all of that, whether that be in my personal life or in these circumstances, but I think it's like, oh, I made him get upset or I made him angry. You don't actually make anyone any type of way. Mm-hmm. You know, what we are responsible for is our word choice, our perspective, and our heart. So before you walk into these hard situations or these hard conversations, which we encourage you to have, and hopefully you're gaining some tools to have them, and even the like, oomph to actually do it because you know there are people that are doing it and it actually turned out okay Mm -hmm. that we always catastrophize in our brain but as you're anticipating check yourself prior to going in and going am i just fuming probably not a good time to call them aside yeah Yeah. 
do some introspection, do it the right way in terms of like using the cuss analogy of, you know, I'm concerned, help me understand this is a safety issue because and, and or other strategies to go, this is my heart and ask yourself, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, why am I so heated about this and be able to identify your emotion, set it aside before you have these circumstances and then not take on their response. Imagine how we would all feel as human beings if we weren't taking on everybody's everything. I had a conversation with a friend like this about this last night. Mm-hmm. We're like, it's too much weight mm-hmm. that if I'm responsible for everybody's response that's entirely outside of my control, I'm going to make myself crazy. And so sort of recognizing, and I want you to hear from us, that their response is not your responsibility. If they're upset, you can say, I'm sorry that you're feeling angry or I'm noticing that this is really causing some distress. You know, I I, I, I understand where that could come from. I can understand how you might feel kind of defensive. My heart in this is fill in the blank. Mm. And that's where I want to leave you. I, I would never intend to make you feel a certain type of way. And then you got to let it go. And how much freer we can have these conversations if we're not taking on each other's emotions. And uh, this, this is a whole other episode, but the the element of emotion, this is a practice issue. And he may have felt attacked. Let's say he could, he could have said that. I could mm-hmm. see that, you know, but were you attacking or were you actually doing the right thing to bring up a concern that's something that is unacceptable and like really a suable offense, mm-hmm. right? That we know. So no, you're doing the right thing. And so when you when you start to go through that script in your head of like, oh, but he was upset or like, oh, I made him angry. You go home and you're sick about the conversation and how the outcome was. Always going back to what did I do? What did I mean? What was my intention? And and saying, I will not receive or carry the weight of their response. That's easier said than done. That's another whole episode. But I, I want to make that, like, I, I heard that be said. And I know I say it myself. I hear you say it. We work in the office about trying to, like, really be careful about um, identifying those. And I thought it was a teachable moment. So there you go. Yeah, it was great. I will say, like, I had no uh, response, like, once I brought up the conversation, the pit was gone. Like, even though I knew yeah. he wasn't like upset about it, like, or that he didn't feel great about it, that was gone. And I felt so much better that mm-hmm. I did that. Mm-hmm. And I would have taken that home if I didn't. And so mm-hmm. I'm glad. Well, and what an incredible skill to help us all live our best lives. This mm-hmm. is why we have these episodes. This is why we do what we do, that we want you thriving in your lives and by carrying every clinical scenario, every conversation, everything that you disagree with home with you, that gets really heavy to carry. And so this is one way to just lighten your load. Yeah. So I hope that was helpful in maybe in your future practice to keep the patient at the center of your care, keep advocating, pushing that needle forward in better and safe practices. My opinion, what worked well was to do it with full full of grace, in a teachable moment, please teach me, I'm learning, I want to understand, I I don't think a hostile, like, aggressive approach would be good for this situation, especially if you want fruit from it. Thanks for spending time with us here today on this episode of Happy Hour with Bundlebirth Nurses. If you liked what you've heard, it helps us if you subscribe, rate, leave a raving review, and share this episode with a friend. 
If you want more from us, head to bundlebirthnurses.com or follow us on Instagram. Now it's your turn to take what you learned today and apply it to your life, giving honorable patient-centered care to every patient you care for. We'll see you next time here on Happy Hour with Bundlebirth Nurses.